Welcome to Practical Christian Living. Make sure you've got a good retirement plan. That's okay. That's not stacking up treasures here on earth. You're just making sure you're taken care of. But it can get carried away. You can get obsessed with putting money away and putting money away and having a treasure here on earth. And when you do that, you're stacking up treasures here. Instead, invest in heaven that you may have treasures that are in heaven. God wants us to be generous. Hand in hand with that, He wants us to be good stewards of our finances so we can be in a healthy position to be generous. With wisdom for those who don't have much money and those who have a wealth, here's Robert Furrow with more from Mark 12, 41 through 44. There may be people that other people would say, I don't really want to be involved with them. But when we go out of our way and we find someone who is a humble person and we reach out to help them, this honors, God honors us for that. Here's what he says. He says, I have shown you by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of Jesus. As he said, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Well, what, a, what a statement. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. I don't know if you've ever received a great kindness financially, but it's very powerful. When we left Albuquerque to come to Tucson, we had a business. We had about 12 employees. I hired a manager. The accountant would put all of the, all of the tax that we would collect from the employees, put them in the report that he would give him. He was supposed to cut a check. There was a stamped envelope in there. He was supposed to cut a check and send it off to the IRS. At the same time, we're here, the church is starting. I'm calling him up and saying, what do we got in the bank? What are we doing? And, and, and it's, we're doing really good. We're doing better without me there than me there. And so I'm saying, well, go, yes, send me, you know, send me $1,000 this week. That's great. Until we find out a little while later that he was not sending in money we had collected from our 12 employees. Now, if you think the IRS gets upset at you when you don't pay your taxes, Wait until you collect money from someone else and you don't send it in. So we owed $17,000 by the time that we figured it out. With interest and penalties, it was over $50,000 that we owed. We made a certain amount from the church here, but the church was starting and they weren't paying us a lot. And we had to pay at that time, this is in the 80s, $500 a month, and we were still not paying enough. It wasn't keeping up with the penalties and interest. They were sending me letters that they were going to throw me in jail. Me and, and, and my wife, Lisa, had thought about filing bankruptcy, but we felt like that was a way the enemy could attack us in our ministry, that we had to trust God to be able to get us out of here. And my, my step, my father-in-law, who was a stepfather to Lisa, who didn't really like me, when we went to go visit, said, um, hey, you still got that problem going on with the IRS? And I said, yeah. And he goes, have they given you an opportunity for an offer of compromise? you could offer them a certain amount of money to wipe the debt completely out if you could get the money. And I couldn't borrow money. It was a $20,000 offer, but that was like, that might as well have been a million for me. My credit was messed up. I wasn't going to get, I wasn't going to borrow $20,000 from anybody. And, he's, and he was a CPA who ran several people's um, estates. And he said, well, I've got one individual who will lend you $20,000 at this rate. And I was blown away. We were able to borrow that money. It was a payment that we could afford to make. We were able to pay off the IRS, which from that point on, by the way, I tell uh, my, our CPA now, IRS proof my return. 
Give them more. Let them never come back because I never want to mess with them again because they were brutal. Threatened to throw me into jail several times because I couldn't pay. I was paying all I could because I couldn't pay anymore. But that was such a kindness. I was so moved from a man I didn't think liked me. And maybe he was doing it for his stepdaughter, all right, because he really liked her. Nevertheless, it was a great kindness showed to me and I'll never forget it because it was was life-changing. And it's better for you to give than it is to receive. You guys have stories like this. You could tell stories of when someone had compassion on you and gave to you. And it's better for you to give than it is to receive. That's very powerful. Each time you reach out and you help somebody, it is better for you than when you have received something. What a great statement. The fourth or fifth thing Jesus says (laughs) about giving is in Matthew 6, 1 through 4. And here is one we're familiar with. He's telling us not to have spiritual pride. And you guys know that this is one of my pet peeves that I return to periodically because I believe that the evangelical church has incorporated Phariseeism into it. We put our nose in the air. I love God so much and I want to know why you guys don't read your Bible as much as I do. What did you do last night? I read my Bible for four hours. Oh, a la-di-da. Good for you. I, 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 I spent, I don't have time I don't have time to hunt or fish or any other hobby because I'm always praying, witnessing, seeking God and doing spiritual things. Can you excuse me a second? (laughs) And Jesus tells us, stay as far away from that junk as you can. Don't have spiritual pride. Don't act superior to other people. And when you do those things, do them quietly so that no one sees them. So you'll you'll receive a reward uh, from God when you do it in secret. And so Jesus gives us that when he's talking about charitable deeds. And these charitable deeds would be to the poor, for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, uh, Causes today could be to fight against abortion or to, um, to fight against sex trafficking. These are some things that, that we can see today. And so he says, take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have your reward from your father who is in heaven. So when you, you know, told people about the great spiritual things you're doing, how long you pray, I'm so tired today. I prayed for five hours last night. It always amazes me, but they, it happens. It always amazes me when those things are happening. I want to say, hello, Pharisee. How are you? He says, that's your reward. That when someone goes, wow, you're amazing. You prayed for five hours last night. That's amazing. You better really enjoy that praise because that's your reward. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets that they may have glory from men. Can you imagine sounding a trumpet before you give so that you can receive glory from men? Listen, I've been a Christian for over 45 years. I met the Lord in in, in 1974 when I was 13 years old and went through my whole teen years uh, really on fire for Christ. And I've seen so many different fundraising schemes. I've seen several of them where they come in and go, God told me five people here are going to give $5,000. So who is it? Who's going to give $5,000? Come on, show me who's God. God told me, so we're just going to do this till you guys all respond. God told me. And one by one, people raise their hands. And you know what happens when a person raises their hands? Oh, it's amazing. You're giving $5,000. That person better enjoy that applause because that's their reward. And they're doing this in order to get people seen. They're manipulating people using the wrong motives to do it. And Jesus says, don't be like that. 
He said, Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But then verse 3, but you, but you, when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret and your father sees you and rewards you openly. Something about faith, that when you give something, maybe even significant, that you don't tell anybody. And you just go, this is between me and God, and God honors it. I have learned, and when, 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 someone, when, when people have liquidity events, a liquidity event is when all of a sudden you come into a bunch of money. When people have a liquidity event and they want to give a portion of that to the church, sometimes, I'm, I'm not, I'm gonna, uh, just, I'm not, this isn't the majority of the times, because every once in a while, I don't, ever, I don't know who gives what at the church. They won't let me near the, 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 the tithes and offerings. And I never wanted to know who gave what. Because I was afraid that if you gave a large donation, that I would see you next time in church and go, oh, hi, how are you? Good to see you. <laughs> I, I don't want any of that to enter in. So I, I've never known how much people give. And every once in a while, I'll get told when I'm given the report, here's where the church is financially, here's what came in this last week. Every once in a while, I'm told there was a big gift given, by the way. And I like that because no one came and said, I want to give a big gift. When we were just starting, I had a call from somebody. I would like to have lunch with Pastor Robert. Okay. So I went and met him for lunch. So he sat down and he said, I'm going to give a large gift. I've come into some money and I'm going to give a large gift to the church. And I would like it to be used this way, that way, and this way, and that way. And he started to go over it all. By the time I was done with that lunch, I said, never again. When someone calls and says, I want to have a, a lunch, I find out why. I want to know why. Why do you want to have lunch with me? And if it's, well, because I'm going to give a large gift to the church, then we say, no. If you want to give it, you can give it. Just go ahead and give it to the, you know, drop it in the agape box or, or go and donate it. But I'm not going to have lunch with people who do that because it's, it's doing exactly against what Jesus said. When you give an offering to the, to the church, to anything, when you do anything, don't let people see so people can pat you on your back. If that's why you want it, can I just don't give it? You're losing your reward. You're not getting any reward, except that you might want somebody to know that you gave a great amount, and I want to let you know something. That's not a very good reward. You might think that they're thinking about you for a long time, but they're not. Maybe excited about it for a while, but then they're like, oh, okay. Hope that guy gets more money. <laughs> So Jesus says, do them secretly. Well, this is a great lesson for all of us. Do them secretly, and it's great faith when you do, because you're just looking for God to bless you. Number six, if I'm right on my numbers, I think I am. Number six is later on in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, verses 19 through 21. He says, do not lay up for yourself treasures here on earth, where moth and rust and thieves can break in and steal. But lay up a treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys or where thieves break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be. He gives us a warning that if we are building a treasure here on earth, our heart's going to be here on earth. If we invest in the kingdom of God, we use the mammon of this world to invest in the kingdom of God, then, then we are going to have a treasure that is up in heaven. Now, here he says, do not stack up treasure here on earth. Again, I'm going to tell you that this doesn't mean that you, that you don't be the very best steward you can be with your finances. God has given you the finances God has given you to take care of your family. You want to make sure you're in the best position you can be. If I can pry a little bit, you give me a little bit of permission to pry a little bit, maybe where I shouldn't pry. 
I just get rid of your, your high, high, high interest credit cards. No reason to be paying that kind of thing. Get rid of that as soon as you possibly can. And you know, I'm, I'm telling you what to do now, but you can ignore it, all right, if you, if you want to. And don't buy depreciating items on a credit card. You pay 17, 18%, sometimes more for an end table. You end up paying $600 for it when it was a $150 end table. And if it had a $600 price tag on it, you would have never have done it. But you end up paying that much for it. Get rid of those. Unless you are in a position to purchase a car with finances, don't. It's one of the worst things that you can do financially if you're not in a really strong position. That doesn't mean you can't do it. And it doesn't mean people who are in strong financial positions can't do it because you can. But if you're not in a strong financial position, then put up with that old car. <laughs> then, then fight it, you know, fight the repairs and put up with that old car while you get yourself into a healthy place. And then make sure you've got a good retirement plan. That's okay. That's not stacking up treasures here on earth. You're just making sure you're taken care of. But it can get carried away. You can get obsessed with putting money away and putting money away and having a treasure here on earth. And when you do that, you're stacking up treasures here. Instead, invest in heaven that you may have treasures that are in heaven. He's not telling us not to be good stewards. We know that from all the other passages in the Bible that tell us that we are supposed to be good stewards. Now, I'm pretty sure I missed one here, so let me go back and, and find the one I missed. Um, where did I miss that? All right, I missed Luke 16, 9 through 18. All right, Luke 16, 9 through 18. I have no idea which one this is now, and anymore it doesn't matter. There's seven of them in all. He says, and I say to you, make friends for yourself with unrighteous mammon. Mammon is wealth. And so Jesus calls wealth unrighteous. It's not unrighteous to be wealthy, although it's very hard for a wealthy man to enter into the kingdom of heaven because of the love of money. But in itself, wealth is unrighteous. There's just something about it that makes things difficult and taints and then it's hard. And he says that when you fail, you may be received into an everlasting home. That if you take unrighteous wealth here and you use it, that you're going to have a treasure that's up in heaven. He says, for he who is faithful with what is least is faithful also with much. This is a promise that God is saying, look, when you've got a little bit and you're faithful with that, God's given you a little, finance, a little bit of finances and you're faithful in taking care of that and being good stewards, God's going to entrust you in more. Again, this is what Jesus is teaching. He who is faithful in little is going to be faithful in much, and he who is unjust with what is least will be unjust with much. If you can't handle the finances when they're small, you're not going to be able to handle them when they're larger. So don't despise these times of small things, but be the best steward you can be while you're struggling financially. Therefore, if you have been fruitful in unrighteous mammon, if you can take unrighteous mammon and you can be fruitful with that, who will commit to your trust true riches? Or if you're not faithful with it, who will commit true riches? When we take something like money and we're faithful with it, God entrusts us with true spiritual riches. And if you have been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can have two masters, for he will either hate one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and wealth. Your life is not the goal in achieving wealth. And if you have wealth, it's not bad. The Bible says, tell those who are rich among you not to trust in the uncertainty of riches, but be willing to share. Doesn't mean you can't be rich, 
But it does tell us that you can't serve your wealth and serve God at the same time. There is a danger that is there. Now let me jump ahead to where I was before because I am now on what is the last one. I'm finally back to the seventh one now, right? And this is in Mark 9, 41. And I love this particular teaching of Jesus because it shows us how we can have such very little compassion and God will honor it. He says, Mark 9, 41, for whoever gives a cup of water or a drink in my name, a cup of water. How inexpensive is a cup of water? Because you belong to Christ, you do it because you are a believer and you want to help people now because you're Christian. I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. That tells us that there's not a person in here, even one who may be struggling greatly financially, who cannot look at a need of someone, a small need, reach out and help it and not receive a reward back from Christ. That God allows you to be a part of what he is doing by compassion being given into our lives. I want to close with two things and then one final passage. The first is this. We give not because God needs it, but because we get a chance to be involved in God's work. God's not up in heaven going, I wish I had more money. Feeling pretty broke these days. I'd reach a lot of people in the world if you guys would just give. And you've heard a lot of offertories that are like that. God's broke. We're going to have to shut the doors. We can't help people because you guys aren't giving. Right? God, we give not because God needs it. God could do anything he wanted to do without me, without you, without any money. In God's economy, he doesn't need money to touch hearts to get people saved. But God has chosen to do it this way through the church with our involvement so we get to be involved. God likes us to work with him. Like when my youngest used to, I was working on my car and my youngest used to come out and say when he was about five years old, Dad, can I help you? Sure, sure. If you know anything about me, I, I just, I like to get things done. I'm like, boom, 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 boom. Putting together furniture, which is like my worst chore ever. Dad, can I help? Yeah, you can. And what I could do in literally five seconds, it takes him, I don't know, 20 minutes. Because he can't keep the screwdriver in the slot when he's doing it. And when you start to reach in, like I can, no, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. Yes, you are. And I wonder if God feels that way. God's like, Robert, Robert, I, I, could, I could just do it. No, God, let me do it. I'll do it, I'll do it, let me do it. But God allows us to be involved. On top of that, God gives us a reward. And that is absolutely amazing. And I think one of the changes that happens to us when we are born again is that we want to help those who are in need, whatever that need may be, whether it's to go into heaven, whether it's a financial need, whether it's some other kind of struggle that they're in their life. And that's why Christians are so incredibly generous. And why you guys, I encourage you to live generously. And you guys do live generously. Live generously in every aspect of your life within reason. We live generously knowing that you need to be a good steward with what God has given you. The second thing that I want to close with before I share a last verse with you is that we give because Jesus has let us know it's okay to be generous. We give because Jesus has let us know it's okay to be generous. Given it will be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Will mean given to your bosom. So that we don't have to live that stingy lifestyle we can be generous. Now, again, I'm going to say within reason because you've got responsibilities that you have to take care of. 
But learning to live generously is Jesus is generous, God is generous, and learning to live generous is incredibly powerful for us. So along those lines, I'll give you this last verse. And it's not one of the amazing teachings of Jesus on giving. It's another one in Proverbs. Proverbs 11.25. And I'm going to read this in the NIV because I like it better. I think it reads better. I think it reads more true than the New King James does. A generous person will prosper. God is saying, if you're a generous person, I'm going to work in your life in a way and you're going to be, you're going to be prosperous. Another translation says, a generous person will receive generosity. Jesus said, in the manner you give, it's given back to you. A generous person will receive generosity. Then the second part, and I love it. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Are you the kind of person that when you get around people, you're refreshing to them? Are you the kind of person that when you're leaving, people are going, good, good. <laughs> Several years ago, I have a friend who is an airline pilot. And he's a very methodical man. I think airline pilots are, okay? They gotta be, right? They go through methodical things. And he's a golfer and I'm a golfer. And we went to Torrey Pines with a couple other friends of ours to play. If you guys are golfers, you know that Torrey Pines is one of those bucket list places. It's in San Diego, so it's close. And you wanna make sure you can play it. So we've gotten four of us to go. Now, he's a completely different personality than me. My personality is bang, 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 bang. His personality is very laid back. So when we get there, I'm, I'm excited. I'm like, I've had my coffee and I'm like, we're playing Torrey Pines, man. I can't believe it. This is so exciting. I can't believe it. I'm just, I'm going hundred miles an hour. And he looks at me and he goes, can you settle down? <laughs> and I'm like, and I kind of, I laughed it off. I thought, oh yeah, yeah, no, man, this is great that we're here, isn't it? And he goes, I paid a lot of money to be here. I'd like to be able to enjoy it. <laughs> and I realized that I was not a refreshing person to my friend. That he was thinking, if I have to spend four hours in a golf round with this guy, I'm going to wish I didn't do it. Now, I use that as an example that when we interact with people, we want to be a refreshing person. Sometimes we can complain a lot. Sometimes we can lay trips on people. Sometimes we can be agenda setters for them. Sometimes we can make it just a hard thing for people to be around us. But the Bible says if we're refreshing when we're around people, that we ourselves will be refreshed. What a great promise. And what a good thing for us that when we're around family, friends, that we would look, how can I refresh this person? Sometimes we become that very needy person, right? VNP, very needy person. And maybe we should just check and make sure that we're not, but that we are someone who truly is refreshing. What I love about this particular study is that as I prepared it, I always go into teachings about finances with a little trepidation. Because I, I think I'm gonna be misunderstood. People are gonna think, we're asking you for money. But as I put the study together, I just found myself encouraged. And I believe that that's what God's doing here today. I hope you are encouraged by this, that you would take these amazing teachings that Jesus gives us about giving and allow yourself to be encouraged and be that refreshing, generous person talked about in Proverbs. Stand with me, would you, and let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your word and that you deal with every part of our lives. And because finances are so important and because finances can stand in the way of eternity, and it's hard for rich people to even get saved, and the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for us to talk about these subjects is so important. It's imperative. And Lord, we pray that these truths would sink into our lives 
that we would go back to these promises by you understanding them and living the way you have called us to live. We thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We pray that the Lord is speaking to you in a personal way here at Practical Christian Living. If you'd like to hear more of Robert Furrow's teachings, visit calvarytucson.com. For our local listeners, Calvary Tucson is open and holding physical services while being mindful of social distancing guidelines. Our East Campus at Speedway and Camino Seco meets Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9.45 a.m. Our West Campus, south of Palo Verde and I-10, meets Sunday mornings at 8.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Our midweek service times are Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. at our East Campus and 7.15 p.m. at our West Campus. If you prefer, you can watch our service online at live.calvarytucson.com and also on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Our online campus is available during East Campus service times. If Practical Christian Living Radio has blessed you and you'd like to donate, please visit pclaz.org. That's pclaz.org where you can make a secure one-time donation or sign on to become a monthly partner on a reoccurring basis. Have you accepted Jesus into your life or have questions about salvation? Email us at saved at calvarytucson.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media, Instagram at Calvary Tucson and Facebook at Calvary Chapel Tucson. We want to remind our local listeners that you can watch Practical Christian Living Sunday mornings at 8.30 on Kagan 9 TV. May we walk worthy while we wait for the return of our Savior. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living.